Good afternoon. Today is May 11th, 2018, and this is the 48th or 9th? <laughs> I'm sorry if I got that wrong, but episode of MRE Podcast. Glad that、uh, some of you are tuning in today.、Uh, we'll be reading through the book of Hebrews, and、uh, I do, I do want to say that.、Um, Sorry that I didn't have an episode on Wednesday. This week was a bit crazy as I was finishing finals. But I hope everyone else is doing well.、Uh, either you're done with school and you are in your summer break, enjoying being home, or maybe some of you are working and don't have summer breaks anymore. <laughs> But、uh, I know that you might be looking forward to vacation and things like that. But today was、uh, a bit hard this morning.、Um, found out some news about、uh, people, and just my heart's grieved. And I am、um, so glad that we get to read the Word of God and really have it as a source of strength and find、uh, hope and joy and grace and mercy and love in it. So, hopefully, the book of Hebrews is going to be also、uh, enriching time for you, encouraging for you,、uh, because、uh, I'm going to be rereading the background soon, but it really focuses on Jesus and the superiority, the supremacy,、um, preeminence of who Jesus is and who Christ is. So, hopefully, that's going to help us to just fix our eyes on Him as we read through this letter. So, without further ado, let's jump into、uh, the book of Hebrews and the background. Oh, one more thing.、Um, next week, we're not going to be having live stream. We're not going to、uh, have MREs episode Monday and Wednesday.、Uh, it is a little break for me before summer、uh, school session starts and things like that. So, we're just wanting to take the week, do my own quiet time, and.、Um, Not have to make anything, just really delighting in his presence, his rest, and all that he has for.、Her. So, just just a heads up, okay?、Um, but let me pray for us and let's dive into the Word of God. Father, we are so grateful for your Son Jesus. Thank you that because、uh, he's alive, that we can have a blessed hope. Endurance, strength, joy,、uh, and grace and mercy, all that because of your Son Jesus. So, God, lift our souls up, help us to find rest in you and your word today, and help us to know that you're good to us, that you're faithful to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, once again,、uh, I'm going to be sharing from the Bible Project book、uh, for background. <clears throat> I just found that this is、uh, simple, easy to understand, and maybe commentaries. And、uh, I know that the background on those commentary books are very heavy and hard to understand. So, yeah, let's jump into it.、Um, there's a lot of mysterious things about the letter to the Hebrews. And Uh, this is what it says. The author of this letter is unknown, 
people have long speculated over whether or not Paul or one of his co-workers wrote it, like Barnabas or Paulus. But really, we just don't know. Uh, there's an interesting bit of information about the author in chapter 2, 3 to 4, where he says he had a first-hand relationship with the disciples who were around Jesus. So even if we don't know who wrote this letter, we do know that it is anchored in the teaching of the apostles. That's really good to know, right? It's also unclear who the audience of this letter was or where they lived. The author, however, knows them well, the audience, and he also assumes they have a thorough knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures, especially that of the first five books. Uh, They're also known as the Pentateuch, right? The author expects them to be very familiar with the story of Abraham's family, all the details of the Exodus, what happened at Mount Sinai about Israel's journey through the wilderness. Because of this expectation, it's most likely that this letter was written to Jewish Christians, which explains the letter's title to the Hebrews. Makes sense. Makes sense. We have clues from verses 10, uh, verse, verses from chapter 10, 32 through 34, that this community was facing persecution and imprisonment because of their association with Jesus. And that some in the community were abandoning the faith. All of this explains the purpose and structure of the letter. There's a short introduction, Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 4, followed by four sections in which the author compares and contrasts Jesus with key people and events from Israel's history. Angels and the Torah, chapter 1 through 2. Moses and the promised land, chapters 3 and 4. The priests and Melchizedek chapters 5 through 7, the sacrifices and the covenant chapters 8 through 10. After all these comparisons, he challenges these Christians to follow Jesus no matter the cost, chapters 11 through 13. Throughout the comparisons that uh, make up the main body of the letter, the author has two main goals. First, he elevates Jesus as superior to anyone and anything else in order to show that he is worthy of total trust and devotion. Second, he is leveling a challenge to these believers to remain faithful to Jesus despite persecution. This is why each section includes a strong warning to not abandon Jesus. Yeah, I think uh, this is why I'm, I'm looking forward to holding fast to the word of God and uh, especially this book, Hebrews. Uh, I, I feel like maybe the uh, persecutions might not look similar to the Hebrews uh, for our day and age for us. But uh, the, the, the core message of looking at Jesus and despite of what we might be going through that we can find strength and encouragement in Christ alone. So that's something that I'm looking forward to. And hopefully it is something that is encouraging to you as well.
Um, another comment is, before we jump in, is uh, looking forward to seeing some of these comparison, understanding, especially in light of like learning about Old Testament. Um, this summer, I'll be looking into Pentateuch, the latter prophets, and in the fall, I'm be continuing to study my Hebrew and things like that. And so it's it's good. I think it's really good how uh, Hebrews, the letter Hebrews, is bridging the gap from the Old Testament to New Testament, and that's the beauty of the Bible that everything is connected. And I love biblical theology. Um, just the methodology of biblical theology is probably my favorite out of many ways to study the Bible. So, uh, with that. Let's jump in. Uh, this morning, or it's not morning, it's afternoon, but I just want to show you this amazing mug. It says, I need a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. Now, in light of Hebrews, this is wrong. Um, actually, I don't, I don't need a little bit of coffee, right? I just need Jesus. <laughs> So I was just thinking about that, how, yeah, it's all about Jesus um, over anything and any, anyone and, and anything else. So, oh man. Okay. Hebrews chapter one. Oh, uh, I'm not reading from my regular Bible. I'm reading from ESP reader Bible. So I won't have chapters marking, but just want to read from this today. So let's get started. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I've forgotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels uh, winds. And his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprighteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And yet you, Lord, lay the foundation of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remained. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same 
and your ears will have no end. And to which of the angels has God ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience receive a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is a man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Oh, I don't know about you, but chills down my spine, just thinking about the supremacy of our Lord Jesus Christ and, and thinking about just um, what he has done. You know, there's like no one like the son of God. Yet just for our sake, he became Lord and the angels. He became just like us in flesh. And that's to me, uh, it's so radical. It's, it's mind blowing, you know? Okay. So that's the introduction of Jesus compared to, again, comparing conscious to angels, right? And greater than the angels and us and all that. Yeah, let's go on. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers to in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect 
so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make the propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle, the high priest to our confession, who was faithful to him, who appointed him just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself for every house is built by someone. But the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. If we indeed, we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the rest, to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray. Oh, I lost my place. I got too excited. Um, they always go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways. And I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving hearts, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold out original confidence firm to the end, as it says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed entered that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken to the seventh day in that, in this way. And God rested on the seventh day for all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest since therefore it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day today saying through David so long after in the words already quoted 
today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Let me pause right there. Um, there. There's a lot going on here. Again, the author of Hebrew is expecting that you know the Israel's history. So if you're unfamiliar with the whole thing happening in Exodus with Moses, his people, uh, when God is talking about rest in it uh, with the on the Mount Sinai and all that stuff, I highly encourage you to go to a book of Exodus and see what what is uh, this whole concept and idea of rest? And the cool thing is actually our church has been talking about entering into rest. And it's not the understanding that we have uh, from our world. Cause we, we always think it's about resting uh, from work, right? It's, it's about taking a break or we finish work and then we can rest. But it's really not about that, but it's really about kind of finding rest in his presence. And that is not something that you do just when you break from work. Does that make sense? And so, you know, our pastor has been talking about what does it mean to be working from rest? That's the more biblical understanding of rest that uh, not just here on earth, but for eternity, we're going to be resting in his presence does not necessarily mean that we're not working, you know? And so it's really exciting to think about this whole concept that Moses um, really enter into God's presence. His face was shining and even the tabernacle, the whole idea was that God can dwell among his people and bring a sense of uh, uh, rest and peace and comfort, uh, which is his presence itself. <laughs> so uh, let's go on. Now he's going to talk about Joshua. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and marrow and excuse me, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us stand with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. That is so encouraging that we have the word of God, you know, this word of God to enter into the presence of Jesus and Jesus, the high priest that helps people 
in the old time, in the tabernacle, right? They perform the sacrifice for his people to be near God's presence without dying. And that whole concept of just finding rest in Jesus, who promises in Matthew that uh, his yoke is uh, easy. His burden is light and has come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. And that, that is that picture here that Jesus is able to sympathize and grant us and help us to um, find this rest, especially in the time of need. Mm, I really need to hear that truth today, TBH. So TBH means to be honest. I think most of you guys know. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. Oh, here we go. He explains to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can deal gently with ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron. See, now we from Moses, Joshua, now Aaron. Uh, so also Christ did not exalt himself to be made high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. He was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered and being made perfect. He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. About this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Hmm. Where is my highlighter? Okay, I'm just going to make a note here real quick. <clears throat> Hopefully some of you are also taking some note. Uh, this is exactly what I was thinking about in terms of discernment and how that works. And I've been thinking about this concept a lot. And here we go. Okay. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to the maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works or of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tested the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again, the son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. 
for land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it. The produce uh, and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may be you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I love how practical Hebrews is. You know, I didn't notice this before, but uh, like we read in the background, there is this constant warning to the Hebrews how if they don't have a fundamental uh, theology, the study of God's knowing the doctrines and the truth that yeah, they could deter away from Jesus, which is dangerous. They lose hope. They lose joy. They lose love. And, and, and so the, the author is keep reminding them, you know, this is why you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. You, you need Jesus and see him in certain ways. Let's go on. For when God promised to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. I love that. He says he swore by himself, meaning like he knew Abraham is not going to uh, uh, hold up to his bargain. And we know that's, that's the truth and the reality of our covenant with God, right? It's really him upholding covenant for us in its grace and mercy and love. And thus Abraham having patiently waited, obtained the promise for people swear by something greater than themselves in all their disputes. An oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promises, a promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a, as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first by translation of his name, king of righteousness. I learned that in Hebrew, by the way. So as Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then he is also the king of Salem. That is king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the son of God. He continues a priest forever. 
See how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the spoils. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a uh, commandment in the law to take tithes tithes from the people that is from their brothers, though these also are descended from Abraham. But this man who does not have the descent from them received tithes from Abraham and bless him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal man, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself who receives tithes paid tithes through Abraham for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Now, if perfection had been attained through the uh, Levitical priesthood for under it, the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one named after the order of Aaron. For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah and in connection with the tribe, Moses said nothing about the priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witness of him. You are priests forever after the old order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a formal commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. But the law, what for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath, but this one was made priest with an oath by the one who said to him, the Lord sworn has sworn and will not change his mind. You are priest forever. This makes Jesus a guarantor of a better covenant. Pause right there. There's a, there's so much in here. Uh, that makes more sense. If you understand again, the, the history of Israelites and the priests and Melchizedek and things like that. And so you see how, you see how important reading the old Testament is also which I'm looking forward to this summer reading the old Testament. But, uh, and now the, the author is going to unpack the connection, why the, um, the commandments and the law is now going to be fully fulfilled in Jesus Christ, that it was, it was actually incomplete, that there was, there was, um, there was, it was like a part one, you know, for those who watch the Avenger infinity war, uh, the Avengers, it's kind of like that. Like it, it's not finished. The part one, the Avengers that was just released, it's not finished. There's part two. And Jesus is the one that is going to be fulfilling the, the whole law in himself as the chief priest. So this is what we're going to get into here. 
This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he's able to save He's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such high priests, holy, innocent, unstained, excuse me, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily first of his own sins and then for those of people since he did this once for all when he offered up himself for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests but the word of the oath which came later than the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever now the point in in what we are saying is this we have such high priests, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be be a priest at all since there was a priest who offered gifts according to the law. They serve a copy, a shadow of the heavenly things. But when Moses was about to uh, erect a tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown uh, to you on the mountain. But, but as it is, Christ has ordained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as a covenant. He mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers. On the day when I look them by the hand of to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And, and, show, and so I show no concern for them, declares the Lord. For it is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I'll put my laws into their minds, write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me for the least of them to the greatest for I will be merciful toward their iniquities. I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete, growing old, is ready to vanish away. Now, even the first covenant has regulation for worship in an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first, the first section, in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called a holy place. 
Behind the second curtain was a second section called the Most Holy Place. Having the golden altars of incense, the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna, an Aaron's staff that uh, budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory and overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things, we cannot speak in detail. Excuse me. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties, but into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, not without, uh, not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy place is not the Holy Spirit, uh, is, oh, I'm sorry, is not yet open as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings and regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of his creation, he entered once for all into the holy place. Holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called many uh, called many may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant for sorry about that for where a will is involved the death of the one who made it must establish must be established for a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, do not even the first covenant once was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of uh, calves, cat, cat, calf, calf, no, it's not calves, cat, calf, calves, and goats with water and scarlet wool and hip soap and sprinkle both the book itself and all the people saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood, both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Now I know this is, this is a lot. Um, let me pause here. First of all, are you guys tracking along? How are you guys tracking along here? Now, um, for 
the possible intended audience, when they hear these words, it's, it's actually really radical, right? Because this ritual of the priest sprinkling blood, the significance of the temple, the holy of the holies, the holy place, uh, what the the blood of the sacrifices represent, you know, this all makes sense. It's it's such part of their religion, their belief system that when they hear this, and then when they hear that being compared to Jesus, they're like, "Oh my goodness!" Like there's a connection. Like literally, they got they're saying, "Oh my God, what what you have done is amazing!" Right. Um, so I think for us, we have to put it, put ourselves into that kind of shoes and kind of think about, yeah, how, how is this working out, uh, for our own understanding, um, for our context? Well, I'm already at minute 46, but you know, Hebrews is longer, so it's okay. Thus, moving on, thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than these for Christ has entered into holy places. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. For Christ has entered not into uh, holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things. See, they're like part one. It was not the full thing. But into Christ enter into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters uh, the holy places every year with blood, not his own. But uh, for then he, he would have not had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is. He has appeared once for all at the end of the ages, put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as he appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Man, I can't wait for that day, right? When Jesus comes back again. For since the law has uh, but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifice that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, uh, otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it, is, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the squirrel of squirrel, 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 no, not squirrel, squirrel, squirrel of the book. Sorry about that. 
I know that could be distracting. When he said above, you have neither desire nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I've come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ, this is an important part, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I'll remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. That is amazing that what Jesus has done on the cross is, it's amazing. Like God is choosing to not remember our lawless, our, our sin because what Christ has paid on the, on the cross for us. And you know, my encouragement for those who are listening to this is that, uh, number one, if you believe in Jesus Christ and you still feel condemnation because of your sin, because of your past, uh, because of different things, I want you to hear that. God does not see you in that way. He will no longer remember because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us who is sanctifying us, who is helping us be justified each day by the blood of Christ. But on the flip side, secondly, I want you to know that we cannot take this grace, this mercy for granted. As Bonhoeffer says, this is not a cheap grace. The price was great. And for us to just mark it as, wow, I have a freedom. I can do whatever I want. There's profoundly something wrong in that, right? Like there, there's something profoundly wrong in the core of that message. You know what I'm saying? And so this is where I think being thankful, the thankfulness is such a good posture that each day we have to be reminded of that cost and respond not with fear and sort of a, another slavery of like, oh, now I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, like, you know what I mean, right? It's not that, but it's, it's a posture of thankfulness of saying, God, thank you so much for what you have done. Thank you that you see me as your child. Let me respond in love to you in devotion to you and to others, because you have given me a second chance to give me a new life. So that's, that's also equally important. Okay, enough, enough preaching, Stefan. Where there is a forgiveness, forgiveness of these, there's no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, 
by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he ha- he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fiery fire that will consume the adversaries. Here we go. This is exactly what I was talking about, right? This is exactly what the author of Hebrews affirming. Um, anyone who set who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled under the foot of the son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said vengeance is mine. I will repay. And again, the Lord would judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the formal days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those to it treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your pros- uh, property, since you knew that you yourself had a better possession and abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while. The coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteousness, righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. Amen. But of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now, faith, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And here's hall of hall of faith. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commanded as righteous. God commanding him by accepting his gifts and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks by faith. Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken up, he was commanded as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever who draw near to God must believe that he exists 
and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world, became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundation, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. And since she considered him faithful who had promised, therefore for one man, him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grain of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak uh, thus make it clear that they're speaking a, a homeland. If they have been thinking of that land by which they have gone out, they who they would have not opportunity. <laughs> They would have had opportunity to return, but as it is, they desire a better, better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offering up Isaac, he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom he was, it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, uh, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac ev evoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each one of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden uh, for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. They were not afraid of the king's uh, edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called her uh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than in, to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover, sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people of People crossed the Red Sea as on the dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon, uh, uh, Barak, Samson, Jephetha of David, Samuel, and the prophets. So true. It will go on and on, right? Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, ordained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, in, uh, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, 
Women receive back their dead by resurrection. Some are tortured, refusing to accept uh, release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffer mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats and destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts, mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commanded through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us turn with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is seated at the hand of God, uh, at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Not be wary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Ah, This whole faith uh, section. Uh, to me, gives such a clear picture of what faith actually looks like. So much of it is driven by hope and trusting in who God is. You know, no matter what, it, what we are up against in this life, can you trust that God is faithful? Can you trust that he is good? Can you trust that his intentions are not evil, but there will be a day when it might make sense to us. That could be here on earth or that could be when we see him face to face. But can we trust? And I know that sometimes depending on the season of your life, easier said than done. But... I think that's what faith is because when they had that resolve and conviction in their hearts, like their action and all the things that we just read, all the things they have done, it's not to invoke faith, but it was out of faith. And I love that. I love that. Now we're talking about disciplines because that's God's love. It is for discipline that you have, in, you have to endure. God is treating you as sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline. If you're left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate, illegit, illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly father who disciplined us uh, and we respect them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and, and live? For they discipline us for a short time as it seems best to them, but the, he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. 
but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest and sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words may the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order, that order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was a sight that Moses said, I'm tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in uh, festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant." and to the sprinkling blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, so that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At the same time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Thus, let us, uh, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember that remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all. Let the marriage bed uh, be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear. What can men do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart of heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. 
We have an altar, altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals, blood is brought into the holy place, places by the high priest as a sacrifice of sin or burn outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, when, uh, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that are acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good, to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As though who will have to give an account, let them do uh, this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the most more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you, uh, uh, restored to you the sooner. Now, may the God of peace who brought again from the dead of our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders, all the saints, those who have come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with you all of you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be God. Wow, what a amazing, amazing epistle. Um, I don't think I have ever read through the whole letter uh, in one sitting. And... I'm just walking away with a greater appreciation for our Lord Jesus and also recognizing that what he has done, um, knowing, knowing what it meant for, for them. First, it makes sense why Jesus had to die in a, such a gruesome way uh, because of the sacrificial system that was set up. And also, it, it also um, makes you wonder uh, in what ways is he also calling us to imitate his faith uh, and through other people. So that's it. Thanks for tuning in. I'm so glad uh, you are here watching and listening to the word of God. Oh, I'm kind of losing my voice because it's been a while since I read through uh, <clears throat> long chapters again. It's not like the gospel says, you know, um, we've been in epistles, which are much shorter. But next uh, Friday, uh, once again, there won't be live stream. But the Friday after that, we're going to be covering the book of James. 
And after the book of James, we're going to cover all the first Peters. Uh, and after that, we're going to cover all the uh, first Johns. Uh, and the short epistle of Jude together. And then the final book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation to end our New Testament. Isn't it crazy? I'm so glad that this year I started doing this and I'm actually reading through the Bible and looking forward to reading through the Old Testament for the rest of the year. So hopefully uh, you are benefiting from this as well, reading through the Word of God together. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the weekend. Uh, thanks for the encouragement, Harry. So glad you're tuning in uh, each week. And uh, yeah, have a wonderful weekend. And stay warm because it's getting cold again in Chicago. I will see you guys next next week. Not next week. Next next week. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.